right, everybody, here we are. This is episode one of Theater Stories. We are trying something new. We'll see how it goes. Um, everybody has theater stories, right? Um, Should we make up like a little, um, we did the um, SU season Oh, like five. seasons. What season is this? Is it? Seven. Seven. Season seven. seven. We're stories from theater. Seven. Yeah, it's really, with seven. It's a tough. I've I've thought it out. I've workshopped it at home. You guys got any uh, recommendations? Let us know. Um, season season six plus one stories just for theater stories just for fun. Oh wow. Okay. Lucky, I don't think that's good. Lucky seven. Uh, no, everything's heaven. I don't like it. Okay, all right. So unleavened, unleavened bread. Unleavened bread. That's, yeah, that's really no. funny. Theater stories? No. Kevin. Um, <laughs> Ryan, you mentioned right before we started this, you had a theater story that came to the top of mind that dealt with sauerkraut. Yeah, so, um, really quick. I did this review show with a lot of people that I've done shows with before, um, it's kind of towards the end of me being on stage, and uh, I was thank like, God for that. <laughs> I know, I hear you. Uh, everybody's like, Oh, thank goodness he's not on I'm stage kidding. anymore. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was living with Matt and Steven, and uh, I had run home after work to go eat my dinner and then run to this show, which was out in uh, Fairfax at uh, Fair Oaks Mall, actually. Um, and Matt had made sauerkraut. Um, that evening, and I, man, I just scarfed, scarfed that down. Do you remember when you used to do that? You make, like, sauerkraut, and... Weren't you doing Naked Boys singing at the time? Oh, right. I think you were. That was my diet to get myself thin. So that's the next story, is no. something from Naked Boys singing. Well, well, this is a non thing Well, okay. Well, would it keep, and I used to put apples in it as well. So it was apples and cabbage. So Ooh. I scarf this down, and I hop on the road, and I'm not... It's only a 20-minute drive without traffic. I'm literally, like, on the edge of... Glory. Glory. Thank you, Gaga. <laughs> like, literally, um, what, do you, what do you call it when it's almost out? A prairie dogging? Prairie dogging. A brown yeah. cabin? I was prairie dogging. Um, all because of this... I mean, it went through me like an, like an instant. And by, I, I, I parked, and then I shit my pants. In your car? <laughs> or, like, when you shit In up? my car. I shit my pants right before I had to go in and do a show. <laughs> I, I had my costume. And this is a professional show. This ah. is a professional show. Well, Thank goodness. Yeah, I, it was a, I was paid for it. Right, let's that? just say that. Right, yeah. So I get, I, I go inside, but I kind of go inside waddling, um, <laughs> as you do. And uh, I go straight to the bathroom, and I throw away my underwear. Oh, my God, I'm sure they were expensive. Clean it all up. Oh, and then I have to do the show, Commando. With no underwear. Commando. I did the entire show, Commando. And I got to tell you, I kind of liked it. It was, <laughs> it, it was kind of a fun show. To, it does to help you keep rhythm. Yeah, so thank you, Matt, for that that theater story. It's really it's really you that I should thank for that. You didn't have to poop again? No. No, it was just that one, like, it was gone. It was a missile. It was a missile, and I did not get to the restroom fast enough. Wow. Yeah. And um, you you know you're in the car. Let's talk about this. We've all been in the car and you're like, body, I know. I know I have to go. But I'm not to where I need to be yet. Can we work it out? Can can we just like figure this out? Here's the thing I have always said. 
you're with friends, you're after a show, you're leaving, you're going home, every single person gets into their car, waves goodbye, shuts the door, and lets one rip. <laughs> Everybody. And you're lying if you say you don't. <laughs> naked boy singing was an interesting thing for you, Matt, because you were naked, but also the uh, dietary choices that you made through the week to support that show. Well, that's a whole other thing, because we auditioned for that show together. Naked. Naked. We were naked together, standing next to each other, Never really seeing each other naked the entire time we've known each other, really. And never again? No, no, I mean, I mean. Well, there's been a couple of boat sunset. Boat situations. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, just for clarity, uh, that that means uh, skinny dipping out, out of a yacht in the Potomac. Well, I was in the kitchen once working on some special food for my dietary plan of naked boys singing and while preparing my food and maybe you know tasting some stuff I did poop myself in the kitchen <laughs> <laughs> why is that funny I, be, because it just it was the delivery well we did joke that after theater stories is poop stories and I think we're already jumping to season eight no no which no. is what did I eat well and here's the deal what I ate. I I did not know I was going to poop myself, or I probably wouldn't have, you know, I probably would have just cooked in the bathroom. <laughs> well. <laughs> wow. So, so, so I, I, did, I did stop doing the sauerkraut diet. However, it did kind of do something to me <laughs> that did land me uh, a page in Reader's Digest, uh, page 123. Um, back model. Thanks, back mo model. Thanks to the sauerkraut diet that I put apples in. It was delicious. Um, I thought at the time that I was going to really make it big. And um, anyway. So here's a question. This is since we're on a digestive note. Eat before or after a show or both? What, what is your history with that? Because shows, I mean, dinner time for normal people is, you know, now I'm an old person and I eat dinner at 5.30 every day. I have another poop story that I'll tell later. <laughs> it was during, it was during Merrily. Stay tuned. I have, I have that written in the notes. Matt, Merrily we poop. Okay. And, yeah. and, and I will say, for me, show was sort of a light dinner before the show. Mm -hmm. Like a little itty bitty small. Hand size. High, hand size, like Portion. broccoli some sort of salad and then I would snack during the show with like nuts, nuts yeah. and maybe some sweets gummies and whatever and then after the show possibly a really heavy meal to just like really... a protein yeah so you're talking about meals I thought you were talking about do you poop before a show no I was talking about show? eating oh, oh okay um uh, because inevitably, sometimes you like go out after a show and like people eat. Oh sh! And oh drink my god! Because yeah. you've just burnt like a thousand calories. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I usually would eat when I when I was performing on a regular basis and I had a show in the evening. I would have a late lunch and know that after the show I was going to be going to Clyde's or wherever I was performing. What I would, would you get at the Clyde's? Chicken number one. Chicken number one. Always, when I was eating meat, yeah, totally. yeah. chicken number one, because I, I would look forward to that meal. And afterwards. that was a chicken sandwich. 
It was a chicken sandwich, yeah. Yeah. I would look forward to that meal after the performance. I would eat wings. Well, here's the thing. It depends on the show. Because if I'm singing a lot solo, high in the stratosphere, I can't eat anything of any kind of substance before the show because the acid would just push into my esophagus. Yeah. So I would eat after, and then that would be also bad for me because you eat late, very bad for acid reflux. And I I think I first discovered my acid reflux during Footloose 2003 at Toby's because I would come home from doing that, probably burning 2,000 calories as we're in Footloose, and eat like a full pizza and go to bed. I think that me and AK Brink, during the Broadway revival at Toby's Dinner Theater of Jekyll and Hyde, <laughs> where Ryan was a priest. They're all in cahoots! <laughs> um, we would hide um, snacks throughout the theater. Because we had to lay around the stage and look like we were like a part of the set dressing, sure. so we put snacks where we were. So during the <laughs> during the songs and scenes, we would sit there and eat things. Like who does that? I don't know. I mean, I was so method that when we did Oliver in college, all I ate was gruel. Oh, that's not true. No, it's not true. But could you imagine if somebody went method that method with how they eat with a character? I'm sure Daniel Day Lewis does it. Like when he was doing the Crucible. Or the guy from Secession. Well, yeah, Jeremy Strong. Yeah, I'm sure he, what, he just like eats steak. <laughs> Surf and turf. Um, Surf and turf, right? All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and then you're going to hear a story. Our first story is from Amy Berens-Malinsky. We're going to hear about fire alarms set off during productions, and this goes back to, harkens back to ye old Shenandoah University. So we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. In 1985, Tyler was meeting Justin at their favorite arcade, Longshot. Just as Justin was about to confess his love for Tyler, the world changed. Blending elements of 1980s pop culture and LGBTQIA fiction, we journey through this incredible experience that brings them closer together as they fight against a world trying to keep them apart. Listen to Longshot on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, Matt and Steve. It's Amy Barron-Smolinski. I uh, saw your post looking for theater stories, and of course, you know, I've got a bunch, but I think the funniest one that I have to share um, has to do with my 20-year curse uh, regarding fire alarms. So back in 1998, we opened Orstrom Bryant Theater with at SSMT, and uh, one of the shows that season was Jesus Christ Superstar, which of course everybody remembers. You've guys have talked about it a lot on the podcast and it was an amazing show and um it was incredible to see it on orstrom bryan if you remember everything was brand new state-of-the-art super shiny everything was like perfect and they had the highest in technology for everything um that was available at the time including the fire alarms um so the fire alarms were very very sensitive so that they could protect all of this expensive equipment that they had and um they were super sensitive and they kept getting set off by the fog machines at the end 
And I don't know if you guys remember this or not. I very vividly remember it because I think it actually started to happen during Tech Week, um, where it was the very final scene. It was the crucifixion scene. And Jesus is up on the cross hanging there. And there's like this incredible lighting and this beautiful fog. And it's amazing because the crucifix is actually flying above the stage. Um, and Larry was just hanging up there. And uh, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> out of nowhere, in the middle of this like incredible climactic moment, you would hear, attention, attention, please exit the building. And it would just keep going. Um, and it would be because the fire alarms had been triggered by the fog machine. So it happened a couple times during Tech Week. And um, and they every time it happened, because this was such a state-of-the-art facility, the fire alarm couldn't be turned off by anybody on staff. We had to actually wait for the fire department to arrive. Like the, the alarm itself was like somehow wired into... Um, the fire, the Winchester Fire Department. And so every time it went off, they had to come out to turn the alarm off. And um, everybody in the building would have to like go stand out in the parking lot and wait. So I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but like there were several times of like people standing out in costumes and, um, you know, just hanging out in the parking lot, waiting for the fire alarm to get turned off, waiting for the fire department to come. And um, so it happened a couple times during Tech Week. And then the first two shows, everything went smoothly. Um, and so it was like, okay, great. We, we got through that. And I was actually not in the ensemble there. I was working as Sue Robinson's assistant, as the assistant to the uh, company managing director, um, which meant that one of my duties was to cover for the house manager when she wanted to watch the show. Um, the house manager was a lovely woman named Dee Dee. She had been house manager at SSMT for like ever. Um, and in exchange for house managing, every she got to see every show once for free. She got to just come and, and sit in and be a patron. And when she did that, Sue's assistant, which was me that summer, had to cover all the house management duties, which didn't seem like that big of a deal, right? You wear the headset, you keep track of the ushers, you make sure everybody gets seated, you check in with the concessions people at the beginning and end of intermission, you know, not not too challenging. So my first uh, matinee house managing uh, was the first matinee of Jesus Christ Superstar. And it was it was phenomenal. And we get to the end and Jesus is up on the cru crucifix and everybody's just breathless in the audience. And, you know, people are just captivated by this. And the fog comes out and all of a sudden you hear, attention, attention, please exit the building. And the lights come on and this voice does not stop. <laughs> and people and the thing is, this was a matinee where we had a group, a large group of seniors from the local assisted living facility coming. Um, so the audience was filled with old people and they're all looking around going, is God a woman? Like, whose voice is that? Did like what's going on? What happened? So they're very confused. And um, 
And so I like grab the ushers and I'm like, okay, get everybody out into the parking lot. Like just evacuate everyone in an orderly fashion. Like this is not a fire, but we need to make sure people don't get trampled. And so somehow we managed to get everyone out into the parking lot and we're all standing around in the parking lot waiting for the fire trucks to come and the fire trucks come up. And of course they've got, you know, their sirens blaring and it's all very, very dramatic. And I've got like this sea of white hair in the parking lot. Um, and they're, they, they were in pretty good humor about it. A few of them were cranky, but most of them were, were pretty tolerant. And, you know, the ushers and I are just walking around and I was like, okay, walk around, let everybody know that we will resume the show as soon as the fire department clears that, you know, they will get to see the end of the show. And so um, one of my ushers comes up and the ushers was like, were like, high school kids maybe um and uh one of the ushers comes up and kind of tugs on my sleeve and goes um do you see that lady over there and points to one of the women uh from the assisted living group and i said yes well she lost her husband and i'm like okay I'm, i'm sure we will find him you know as we once they get back to their seats and he has alzheimer's and I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's a little more serious. And uh, so I'm completely unprepared for this. I, I did not train as a house manager. Um, I did not, I trained for when things go well. I did not train for what, what happens when you have, uh, you know, 85 um, old age people, <laughs> old age pensioners out in the, in the parking lot. And I said, okay, well, do you have a description of him? Oh, yes, the usher says. And, you know, is very proud of themselves. Yeah, yeah. We have a description. So he's tall and he has white hair. So we look out on the parking lot and it is a sea of white hair. Like that describes about 75% of the people who are standing there. And so and I'm like, I'm like okay. So that's not helpful. Um, So I tell the usher, I'm like, okay, go get all the other ushers, like skirt the perimeter, make make sure that nobody's like wandering off. Like that's that's the biggest thing, right? Like just keep everybody contained. Let the lady know we're looking for her husband. We'll make sure they get reunited. Um, And then just like make sure nobody's going off by themselves. And uh, so at this point. The fire trucks have come. The fire chief has turned off the the fog, the smoke alarm. Um, everything's fine, and we're cleared, and we're told, okay, it's fine. So then we have to usher all of these people back into the theater and try to get them back in their assigned seats, um, which, of course, is a much bigger challenge than getting them out of the theater because they're no longer in these nice, like, assigned areas. Um, but somehow we, we did manage, and I checked in with the usher afterwards, and I was like, did, did the lady ever find her husband? And the usher was like, yep, yep, yep. No, once we got them back to their seats, um, she he she found him and he he was waiting at his seat for her. Um, so that was my introduction to house management um, back in 1998. Fast forward to spring of 2022. So I was playing the title character in Medea, and I was also working as staff at our local army military theater. Um, but in a part-time position, and I had interviewed for the manager, uh, pos- managing artistic director position, but uh, we were waiting to hear 
um, whether or not I had gotten the job or whether my coworker had gotten the job. It had been this this crazy long, like horrific nightmare of a hiring process where they had interviewed both of us and then canceled the entire hiring action and re-advertised it. And we'd had to apply twice. And then they'd re-interviewed us again. But like the interview had nothing to do with theater. They didn't ask us any questions about our theater qualifications. It was very strange and very, very stressful. Uh, And my coworker and I were just like, you've got to be kidding, because this had been going on for nine months for the entire season. And um, so we were incredibly stressed out. And in the interim, um, I was also doing the lead in Medea, which is really stressful in and of itself, too. Uh, I forgot that Greek is all words. And so um, four days before Tech Week, I was notified that I did get the position. And um, that was great. And then my second day in that position, um, so like during Tech Week, I believe it was, um, I had a safety inspection come through and we failed everything. Um, The previous theater manager had not been particularly scrupulous or cared a whole lot about safety measures and everything was a mess. And and I knew that. Um, I knew that was going to happen. So, you know, so I'm coming in and, um, you know, congratulations, you're the manager (laughs) and your theater, your facility just failed safety. Uh, and so I think I remember saying something like, oh, man, you know, I got to do something to really impress the bosses and like make a big splash. And somewhere uh, the ghost in the theater heard me because when we got to closing performance of Medea, which was a Sunday matinee, um, we were all back in the green room getting ready for the show and uh, the crew had turned on the fog machine to warm it up, um, but they had moved it um, from where it usually was because I don't remember why, but somehow it was a tripping hazard or something, but they'd moved it. Um, and evidently where they moved it was right underneath the sprinkler alarm sensor. And so we're all um, in the green room, you know, playing music, like getting ready for the show. It's, you know, we're all a little excited because it's our last show. And all of a sudden, alarms start blaring. And, um, and it wasn't anything fancy. There was no voice from God telling everyone to exit the building, but it was definitely a, a, a loud clanging alarm. And the sprinkler system tripped on and there's a curtain of water falling down over the front of the stage and the first four seats in the auditorium. And uh, so, you know, immediately I was like, okay, everybody out, like just grab your stuff, get out, go meet in the parking lot. Um, You know, let's do a head count. Let's make sure everyone's evacuated from the building. And so the stage manager um, made sure everyone was safe And uh, I went back in with a couple of other people and we discovered that the fog machine had was what had tripped it, that nothing was actually on fire. Um, So we turned the fog machine off and then we're all we're all looking around and we're like, oh, I don't know what to do because I just got this job and nobody oriented me to the building. And I don't even know where the sprinkler system switch is much less I assume that I am not allowed to touch it because that's something that the fire department has to do and I'm in Germany where everything is rules right so um, it doesn't even occur to me that we could turn the switch off nor do I know where it is 
Um, and I, you know, I asked my coworker, he was there to work front of house and he's like, I don't know where it is either. Um, so we just stand and we wait um, while the water keeps pouring down. Uh, and it takes, even though the fire department is literally on the corner at the end of the street from us, it takes the fire department 15 minutes to come. And in, by that time, water is just pouring out of the side doors of the theater into the parking lot. Um, it's just it's just an, a, it's a flood of biblical proportions. And so the firefighters go in, they turn the sprinklers off and uh, they inspect. And of course, this, um, the other thing is the the set was the play took place in 15th century um Venice and so we had this incredibly gorgeously painted stage and scenery and all of that just got drenched like the this the paint is just covered in water like the stage is flooded under the stage is flooded the first four rows of the audience are completely soaked um and uh and in addition to our people um, there was a bazaar happening across the parking lot from us at the gym, and my boss was over there. So my boss comes over <laughs> to see what's going on and sees that here I've taken charge of the theater, I've failed the safety inspection, and now um, the theater is not on fire, but it is flooded. <laughs> and so um, fortunately, he was he was very understanding and patient, and all he cared about was like, did you get everybody out? You know, is anybody hurt? And I said no, and he was like, okay, well, you're just gonna have to wait and see how big the mess is and clean it up. And I was like, yeah. Um, so they get everything turned off. They they bring in fans. They like squeegee out as much water as they can. It's it's like the most ridiculous uh, flood of water, and and um. And the seats are soaked, like nobody can sit in the seats because like the cushions are just saturated. And um, so we we all kind of look around and we're like, well, I guess we have to cancel the show. And uh, I looked at the director and the director looked at me and she was like, or we could do it Greek style and just move it outside. And I was like, I'm down for that. And so we talked to the cast and they were all like, yeah, let's do that. So. We moved the chariot, uh, which was the only rolling set piece that we had. Um, so we put that on a, a wagon and rolled that through the parking lot and over to a grassy knoll area across the street from the theater. And uh, it was a picnic area. So it already sort of had this like um, kind of like natural, uh, it wasn't an amphitheater, but there were there was a space between the trees. There was a clearing um, where we where we could stage the show. And our house manager, who, bless his heart, was 18, and it was his first time house managing. And he had to deal with all this. <laughs> he was just like, okay, what do you need? Um, and so he left into action, and he and the ushers contacted everybody as they came in, and we offered patrons. We explained there'd been a flood in the theater um, and that we would either refund their tickets or if they don't mind staying, you know, we were going to start a little bit late, but if they don't mind staying for a late start, um, they could experience authentic Greek theater outdoors. 
and uh, the majority of them chose to stay. So we we moved not only our set pieces, but the the most thing that we moved was like spare chairs and benches out so that we could seat our audience. And we did the closing show of Medea outside in the authentic Greek style. Um, and one thing we had not prepared for was that behind this picnic area was uh, a barracks building, so like a four-story concrete building. And then across from that was our building, which is also a concrete building. And so the entire uh State playing area turned out to be like a giant amphitheater. Um, like the 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 sound of our voices just echoed between these buildings and and was amplified so much that uh, a reporter who was working in the Stars and Stripes building all the way on the other side of the base heard <laughs> heard our production and came walking over to see what was going on. And um, my boss came back and walked by and saw that we had managed to, you know, not only um, pull off this final production, but also managed to um, keep our patrons there and happy and satisfied. And so I did make my big splash. Um, everyone was very impressed. We got a nice little write-up in the newspaper uh, about, you know, the great flood of 2022. Um, it was not an experience that I ever, ever, ever want to repeat. Um, and uh, and I really hope that our fire alarm don't ever do that again. Um, but the kicker was when the fire chief came, uh, he came back the next week, you know, to to inspect the damage and to collect their fans and things and to turn on the lights and everything. And, and everything was fine. Like, that was the thing. I think we lost one extension cord. All of our equipment was completely fine. Our seats were fine. Um, they just needed to dry out. But when the fire chief came back and showed us where the switch was, there's a giant switch with a key that says on, off. And there's a sign behind the switch written in German and English that says, anytime pyrotechnics or fog are in use, turn to off position. So now we know. And I'm hoping that we have broken the curse, my curse of the uh, fire alarms in theaters. But that is my theater story. Wow. Um... I'm so glad you found the on-off switch. My, my, my first reaction is training. So house managers, theater managers, there needs to be more training for the bad things that happen in theater. That's, that's basically what I'm getting from those stories. You know, we worked at Signature Theater, so there was a lot of fog and haze issues throughout the years. Of, I mean, because that's just a thing. Side note, I got a fog machine from, like, the Halloween party store that sometimes, this was around, like, 2001, when you weren't home that, I would just hook up the fog machine and make it foggy in the entire house just for fun. Like, I would think I was, like, in Total Eclipse of the Heart video. And, like, or maybe doing Medea in, in Germany. <laughs> and I would fog up the entire house, not thinking that maybe anyone looking in the windows would see smoke 
entire house. And it was probably not healthy for me to breathe. At any rate, I thought it was the coolest thing. And also, real quick, my thought when she was telling the stories was the th- like the theater god, if there is a god, like was like with Jesus Christ Superstar, it was like, um, yeah, we shouldn't be doing this show. So we're going to stop right here. And with Medea, since it was set in 15th century Venice, I was like, oh, well, yeah, the, the canals. You guys missed the water part of right. the whole thing. And we need to add that and in. And we need to add that in. And the water did. came. And the water came. Yeah. Exactly. It did remind me when they when she talk, talked about moving the show into a different location, even though we didn't move the show to a different location, reminded me of Jack on High. Jack on High. When there was a power outage during Jack on High, and they didn't know what to do, so they continued the entire show unplugged with with candles candles. and they finished the show and the audience actually loved that even more because it was so like oh my god these guys are still doing it there's no business like show the show must go on yeah and there is something to that like there is something about the audience and the the a cast knowing, okay, we still have to do this show. And also, do you think the Alzheimer guy like thought that Rapture was coming? Like he was oh, like, oh no, he, who knows? But he was back in his seat, so I guess it, it all worked out. I was glad, but I was well, he was looking for Jesus. I was on the edge of my seat. Yeah, yeah. I was like, is he is he gone? And he was too. Yeah. <laughs> it also kind of reminded me of the time that we were evac. I was evacuated with the cast of The Hollow during an earthquake yes. during the rehearsals of The Hollow and literally the set started shaking yeah. and the stage manager said everyone leave the building and as we were leaving the flooring of the building it felt like you didn't know where to step because everything was moving it was the most surreal thing yeah that was all staged because they just moved you out of the theater well <laughs> what <really> happened <laughs> Well, this has been a delightful first foray into theater stories. Thank you, Amy, for bringing us the fire alarm. The opus. fire alarm story. Yeah, and thanks. Yeah, thanks, Amy. It was so wonderful to see you when you were here. For now, the were last you a part of that superstar? Uh, yeah, we all were. were. Yeah, we. Yeah. The so, three of us. Yeah. Were. No, Do you have a memory of it? Well, yeah, I remember the that, fire alarm that that yeah. happened, and I'm like outside in my King Herod outfit thinking, oh my god, what is happening? Because well, that's what you kind of wore to the theater, though. Well, I actually, the, the King Herod outfit was sort of designed on my apparel. Right, wait. <laughs> my daily apparel. Wait, this just came to mind. Quick story. This happened all the time at Ford's Theater, when I worked at Ford's Theater. Um, because there, it wasn't even Somebody haze. got shot? <laughs> no. Yes. I think it was a haze issue, actually. I was doing Meet John Doe, the new musical, and the ending of the show, spoiler alert, is John Doe jumps off of a bridge and kills himself. And there was a lot of haze, and so then the fire alarms went off, and then everybody had to go out. Everyone was in the back alley of Fort Theater, even the patrons. Where he escaped. Yeah, where John Wilkes Booth escaped, not me, John Doe. Yeah. <laughs> John Doe. yeah. And so then um, the audience was like being told, there's only like five minutes left in the show. And then the audience starts saying, well, can you just do it out here? And then Heidi Blickenstaff, who was opposite him, was like, oh, yeah, why don't you just show them how it ends out here? <laughs> 
jump off a building and kill yourself. Yeah, I just wondered, like, with Jesus Christ Superstar, I don't remember. I'm sure they all came back and watched the end of the show, but it was at the end of the show. Like, they were like, oh, we know how it ends. Right, right. We, well, you know, how, we know. how unsatisfying to come back for, like, John 316 and just right. be like... Did, now, did we do the resurrection? No. No. Did they, did, they didn't do the resurrection? We just carried him? No. The end of the show was the Christ completely uh, being levitated and the cross flies out and he was levitated as if there was still a resurrection there in his face. And then we came back out in plain clothes. And then we came back in plain clothes. And looked at the audience. But, you know, John 3.16, that last orchestral piece in Superstar is the most gorgeous thing ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, oh, yeah. and Amy, you know what? Amy did she, that great. so wonderful. Like, she was a great alarm. So, friends, if anyone is looking for someone to do a to voice to a voice fire. a fire alarm, I mean, call Amy. Yeah, um, she's got it. Well, she didn't. She didn't do the German one. Right. That's true. <laughs> Sprechen Sie. Sprickin' you, Deutsche baby, where you're about to do that. <laughs> All right, well, this has been episode one of Theater Stories. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our Patreon family for supporting us. Uh, rough Theater draft. Stories, season, te- season seven. Wow, this is great. This is good. This It's a tryout. We're in a raggedy start, yeah. as we like to say. Theater Stories, Theater Stories, season seven. Theater Stories, Theater Stories season next okay <laughs> all right we'll see you guys next week bye, bye. bye.